My mouth is frozen shut. I'm joking. It's really not that too bad out there, to be honest. I don't know, 40 below? What's 40 below, right? (laughs) I was pondering, though, as I was driving here tonight, what it must have been like to come here in a covered wagon. We have these automatic butt warmers in our car, the steering wheel's hot, the mirrors have heaters in them. I don't think we can go out tonight, Fred. It's a little chilly. Tomorrow, Lake Nokomis will be packed on the pond, people standing out watching hockey. And Christians have a tough time coming to church in their $30,000 Lexus. I, sometimes I just don't, I don't get it. Not that anyone here has a $30,000 Lexus. Mine's 50000 <laughs> I'm joking. I was thinking about that as I was driving to Faith Walkers, too, to be honest with you. You know, it was a little stormy and everybody's kind of scared of the storm. But again, I'm just thinking, man, we've got front-wheel drive cars, we've got front-wheel drive vans, we've got four-wheel drive vehicles. And it's like sometimes we're just paralyzed. And I'm like, what a hardy people our forefathers were. Imagine you got four or five kids. You're in a covered wagon for six straight months in the rain, in the wind, in the cold, and you're living out of the thing. And you just think it's normal. And we have a little hard time getting out in our garage, pushing the button for the automatic door to go up in our nice heated van to go somewhere. I don't know. I, don't know. I guess it's just all a matter of reference, right? It doesn't matter what you're used to. But I'm really glad you guys came tonight. I'm really glad you all braved the cold and came out. You know, another thing I was thinking about last week, I was just so touched. I was walking out in the hall after the service. We get all these new rock babies. I don't know if you guys have noticed that. But when we started the rock, there weren't any rock babies. But we believe in love. (laughs) And then marriage. And then reproducing lots of babies. And uh, that's kind of what you do when it's 40 below, by the way. Well, not when you get my age, but when you're your age. When you're my age, you go to bed at about 8 o'clock, drink a little warm milk, read a book. And then you wake up like I did this morning at 2.30 in the morning. And I'm laying in bed and my mind's, I'm thinking all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, well, it's 3.15, I should probably get up. But really, I was so encouraged at the sacrifice that you young parents have been making to come on a Friday night and bring your children. And I see some of the kids, moms or dads, bring their little pajamas and they're crawling around after the service. They got little pajamas on. I mean, I just commend you. I was so encouraged to see moms and dads kind of training their kids on Friday night to be here and be part of what we're doing. And I, I wanted to commend you for it. I also wanted to say thank you so much. During the last week of uh, our rock year, uh, we didn't have a service. And so many of you gave so generously, and it really helped the end of the year. And I just want to tell you personally, thank you very much for your generosity and your considerateness and for supporting this ministry, all of you throughout the year, but also during that last week. Thank you very much. Well, last week we started a series on, uh, on work. 
or your job, in other words. And I told you last week that, you know, we, we sleep. I don't, you can figure this out yourself. We sleep a lot of years of our life, and that's normal, and that's how God planned and all that. But for a lot of people, their idea of a good life is doing nothing. There's a lot of people who think that it'd be so nice to win the lottery and you just ride around in your Winnebago or sit on a beach, play golf or quit work. And work has really gotten a bad rap. God created you and I to work and do something meaningful and productive with our lives. He really did. And, and so many times we miss out on what God intended for us because, well, one, we may go to work, but our attitude is really bad. We have such a, a, an upside-down perspective, and we can find ourselves just thinking, man, I can't wait till this job's done. I can't wait till I have to, don't have to work anymore. And, and when you add up all the time that you go to work, you're going to work 11 and a half hours of your life. From 20 to 50, you're going to work 11 and a half years of your life. And you're going to miss all of that. You're going to miss what God wanted to do in your life and the impact that your life could have had. And, and, you know, for most of us, if you look at your week, most of your week, well, let's just say really it's broken into thirds almost, a little more than third, of your week is spent at work. What a terrible way to exist every day resenting that you're at work. God has you at work for a reason. And the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, and this is addressed to slaves, and in our modern context it would be employees, obey your earthly masters with deep respect, serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ, work hard, but not just to please your master when they're watching, as a slave of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you're working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember, the Lord will reward each one of you for the good you do, whether you're a slave or you're free. So see, it applies to a slave or a free person who's an employee. It's to all of us. God's great purpose for you is to live a productive life. It's your vocation. And your vocation is spiritual. We make a division between the spiritual and the secular. Or we can tend to think to ourselves, well, you know, Mark, guys like you or, you know, people in ministry or those missionary people, they're really doing the will of God, but but the rest of us, we're just second-class citizens. That's not true. Let us not forget that the first man and woman God ever created, He didn't make them missionaries, He made them gardeners. And He didn't put them in the most beautiful garden in the world and say, Sip pina coladas and sit on your butt. He said, tend the garden and take care of it. And this was a big garden. This was not like, you know, a little plot of land like this room. It was a lot of land. And name all the animals. And rule over the earth. And be fruitful. And multiply. And fill it. He gave them something meaningful and productive to do with their life. And your work has great value to God. Your job, your vocation, what you go do every day, whether it's sweeping a floor or reattaching fingers, whether it's lawyering or architecting or teaching, 
whether it's coaching or answering phones, whether it's being a homemaker or raising your children, God takes great delight in your work. It matters to God. Now, you can get the CD. It's free online. The messages are online for free. Tonight, what I want to talk about is what does a godly employee look like? What would be the portrait of a Christian worker? What should they look like? You see, because as we learned last week, our work not only matters to God, but He left us there. Our objective, there are three primary objectives. To honor God, make Christ attractive to the world, and to earn a living. So that we might provide for our own needs and the needs of others. Those are three of the primary, not the only, but three of the primary reasons for our work. That we might honor God, that we might make Christ attract to the world, that we might earn a living and meet our own needs and the needs of others, and that we might find satisfaction in a job well done. That we'd see that whatever it is we do, that we put our hand to it with enthusiasm and we do it to the best of our ability. There is a rich reward in doing your job well. And the world lies. They say just the opposite. Listen, I realize that we elevate sports heroes. But God is cheering you. When you've cleaned that floor or you've changed that diaper, or you've taught that class, or you've fixed that car, and you've done it with all your heart. There may not be a lot of fans watching you, but let me tell you something. When you watch Brett Favre play football, he's not playing for the money. He's playing because he's determined at 38 to do the best he can. And his goal every time he gets on the field is, I want to win. I want to win. I want to find a way to win. And he sacrifices his body and he doesn't slough off and he comes ready. I'll tell you a little secret about Brett Favre. He'd play the game if you didn't pay him. Why? Because in and of itself, there is a rich reward getting out and giving your best. So whether you're a machinist, I used to be a machinist, I used to be a chef. I've done a whole lot of things. I knew as I read the scripture that whatever I do, whether it's preaching a message or making a meal. Whether it's putting on my apron and getting cutting oil all over my face. I want to make these parts the best I can because there is a reward and a satisfaction in a job well done. And it honors God. And I want to make an impression on the people that I work with. That Christ is good. That God made a difference in my life. And I want to be a good testimony to them. Listen, you're going to spend, what, 40 to 50, some of you 60 to 70 hours a week on your job around a certain group of people. The question is, what impression have you left? What impression did you leave today? What impression will you leave Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? And after 10 years there or 4 years there, what impression did you leave? Were you a light Did you make the teaching of God our Savior attractive? I'm I'm not saying that there won't be times, as I shared with you last week, that people will be offended because of your unwillingness to compromise with wickedness. 
because your unwillingness to get drunk like everyone else. But at the same time, there are ways you can make a great impression. We're going to talk tonight about what a godly employee looks like. And I want to make something really clear this evening, because I know I've got a lot of moms here tonight that are full time taking care of their kids at home. Your job, that is your job. All these things apply whether you're out in the workforce, male or female, or you're home with your children. These are the things that make for an extraordinary employee. The first is a hard worker. That you give your best and you work at it with all your heart. There's this kind of, it's kind of a goofy movie, but it's kind of a touching movie. Um, the first part of the movie, it takes a little while to get a little traction. And then it gets more touching. It's called Facing the Giants. I think that's the name of it. And um, it's really a touching story about this young coach and his young wife and all the trials they have. And he's coaching this little team of these high school kids and uh, they're losers. <laughs> and they keep losing and they keep losing. And stuff's really difficult in his life. And finally he, he gets sick of losing. And he goes to the students and he, first he goes to God and he prays about his difficulties. He prays about the situation. Then he comes to the team and he says, you know what? Our attitude's wrong. This isn't about winning. It's about giving our best for God. That's the bottom line. Whether you get paid $4 an hour or $100 an hour, are you giving your best for God? I think some of you have been around me enough to know, obviously I'm not perfect. But I'm driven. And when you see me at Faith Walkers or you see me here, whatever I do, you know... That I'm going to always give the best that I can to give. That's my goal. Doesn't mean I always live up to that ideal, but I always press after that ideal. And so this coach, he comes to the team and he gives him this little pep talk and he asks him, he says, I want to ask you this question. Are you really giving the best you have to give? Whether we win or lose, are you really giving and living and playing for the glory of God? Or are you just playing for your own? So then he gets this kid on, out on the football field, and my, my daughter, she really likes this scene. She plays it over and over in her mind because of the sickness that she has. And, and uh, right now it's actually the worst that it's been in, in these four years. So you can really be praying for Jessica. Um, he gets this, this one guy who he knows is kind of a leader on the team, but he's kind of lazy. And he brings him out on the field and he says, uh, you think you can carry so-and-so who weighs 160 pounds on your back? Doing this crawl on your hands and not on your knees and hands, but on your feet and hands, kind of like a crab and carry him for 20 yards. Oh, I think I can carry him 30 yards. So he says, all right, I want you to do it blindfolded and I want you to promise me that you give me your very, very best and you won't quit till I tell you to quit. He says, oh, yeah, coach, I'll do it. Well, he keeps going and pretty soon the coach is down on the ground. Come on. And he's yelling at him. He's yelling, I should have the scene here, but I don't. The kid thought he could only go 40 yards. Next thing you know, he went 100 yards. With a 160 pound guy on his back. I want to ask you this question. Is that really what you do at work? When you're doing your job. Or your mothering. Or whatever it is. That God has you doing. Are you really giving it. The very best that you have to give. Are you the kind of person. That just shows up shot. 
because, you know, you just party late till night or stayed up really late at night. But, you know, hey, it's just work anyway. And they kind of owe this to me. And they're lucky to have me here. Or do you really work at what you do hard? Do you really get that's what the Bible tells us? It says work hard with, with all your heart as though you're working for the Lord, not for people. Because you're going to get rewarded for the Lord. For all eternity, you're going to get rewarded for what you did. And you're not going to get rewarded from God for sloughing off. And it's not going to make an impact on the people that you work for. Give it all you've got. The second. The second. Attribute of a godly employee is they're an enthusiastic worker. They work with passion and zeal and they are very excited to serve. There's an enthusiasm. They bring an enthusiasm. Listen, I know I know this sounds tacky and you may think all of this is tacky, but it's the word of God and it will change your life. And I'll tell you another little secret. Eventually, it'll get you paid more money than you're getting paid now. Many, many years ago, I was about 22 years old, 21. And I got this job, uh, you know, in the late 70s and early 80s. People talk about this being a recession, not even close. I mean, there's some tough things going on. But the late 70s and early 80s, things were really, really, really bad. And it was extremely difficult to find work. And, um, you know, there was a, just a lot of challenges going on. I'm not saying there aren't any now, and they may even get worse. We'll have to see what happens. So the only job I could get was as a breakfast cook. I'd never been a breakfast cook. And to be honest, at 21, I was not a morning person. I'm a morning person now, but I was not a morning person then. And I had to be to work by 5 a.m. And I'm like, oh, gee. And, and to be honest, I... I'm not really a cook sort of a guy. It always strikes people a little funny when you were a cook. Yeah, I was a cook. But I needed to survive. I was going to be getting married and I needed to make some money. So, well, what happened was I first got this job at Ramada Inn and I was the janitor's assistant or the technician, the engineer. So my job was picking up cigarette butts and martini cups from the parking lot. It's no lie. So I decided, I decided, this is, I'm I'm not exaggerating. I decided I'm going to be the best butt picker-upper and martini glass picker-upper that this place has ever had. You know why? Because I don't serve them. I serve Christ. And Jesus Christ picking up this martini cup or this cigarette butt is as important to God as someday the messages that I am determined to preach. It's as important to God. If you're faithful in a little thing, you'll be faithful in much. And God sees me. Just like the first little verse I taught my children. God sees me. God sees me. He records what I'm doing. He remembers. So I went out there and I was getting it done faster than anybody. And it was clean. So they were finding other things for me to do, other things. And finally, the guy said, well, Mark, I said, I came to him one day. I said, you know, George, um, I really appreciate the job here. I'm going to be getting married soon. I, I'd like the opportunity to make more money. Is there another position available? He said, well, this position doesn't pay anymore, but you can make $2 more an hour if you want to become our breakfast cook. He just quit. So, well, I've never been a breakfast cook, but, but I can learn. I can learn. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can learn. So he said, well, we've got a guy here, the other chef who does the big banquets. He'll teach you. 
He wasn't a very gracious guy, wasn't very kind, but that's okay. With a good attitude, I can learn from him. So I went in. And I determined, now listen, I don't know about you, but let me tell you a little secret about just about everything when you're dealing with people. I hate to wait. So does everybody else. And when you're hungry, the last thing you want to do is some pokey little chef back there in the kitchen, just lollygagging around, and your toast gets cold, and your eggs aren't done right, and you're paying for it. So I put myself in their shoes, and I said, man, I want my food, and I want it now. So my determination was to be the fastest cook they ever had, and the most efficient, and to get consistently the orders out just like they were asked for. One day... The NCAA wrestling finals were at Hilton Coliseum. And 50 wrestlers, hungry wrestlers, walked into the kitchen, at the sa- into the restaurant at the same time. One waitress was on and me. And I was always the only cook. And she's coming back and she's sticking up the spindle and I'm taking a deep breath. I saw them all walk in and I'm like, let's go for this, Mark. Now, you know, there was a part of me that wanted to go, I forget this, what a joke. I'm being so taken advantage of. They are so lucky to have me. Sometimes you've got to encourage yourself because, you know, no one else will sometimes. But I'm like, you know what, Lord, help me. Well, okay, some of them wanted a steak on the broiler, some of them wanted a pancake, some wanted eggs over easy, some scrambled, some sunny side up. Wheat toast, white toast. Uh, no, I don't want that, I want this. And I'm, but man, I've got to keep mustard, 50 of them. I made it. I survived. But do you do whatever it is you're doing with an enthusiastic spirit, with a sense of zeal and passion to, and are you excited to serve? I want to show you something. I was reading this today. I was reflecting on this. And I just want you to listen as I read this. Who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She's worth more than precious rubies or money. Her husband can trust her and she will greatly enrich his life. She will not hinder him but help him all her life. She finds wool and flax and she busily spins it. She's like a merchant ship that she brings her food from afar. She gets up before the dawn to prepare breakfast for her household and plan the day's work. She goes out to inspect the field. She buys it with her earnings and plants a vineyard. She's energetic and strong. She's an enthusiastic worker, a hard worker. She watches for bargains. She, her, her lights burn late into the night. Her hands are busy spinning thread. Her fingers twisting fiber. She extends a helping hand to the poor. She has no fear of winter. I like that, Minnesota girls. She has no fear of winter for her household because all of them have warm clothes. She quilts her own bedspread. She dresses like royalty in gowns of finest cloth. She makes belted linen. She is clothed with strength and dignity. And she laughs with no fear of the future. She has a great attitude. When she speaks, her words are wise. And kindness is the rule when she gives instruction. She carefully watches all that goes on in her household and does not have to bear the consequences of laziness or being idle. When I read that, I was sharing this with my wife today at dinner. I said, you know what struck me, Kathy? This woman saw herself as her husband's employee. She saw herself as, I'm his servant. I'm here to serve. Boy, you don't find that many women today. Boy, that isn't the attitude. Give me a godly woman. I'm so thankful God gave me a godly wife. Kathy's work ethic is unbelievable. 
And her strength and her energy and whatever it is, whether it was raising little kids or teaching them at home or taking them somewhere or building their character or taking them to karate or helping them on their paper route. And now, basically, for almost 15 hours every day, taking care of my daughter, Jessica, her full time nurse, learning to give shots, learning to do all kinds of stuff that I won't tell you about. She wakes up with the spirit of God, with strength. She hits the bed at night. Shot, wakes up and started all over. And she's got her own pain. She's got her own physical issues. And this is just such a tremendous picture of, a, of the spirit of a worker, industrious, keeping busy, productive, finding things to do. And blessing, being a blessing to those you work for. Am I a blessing? Am I enthusiastic? Am I vigorous? Third attribute is found in Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 13 and 19. This is in the Living Bible. A faithful employee is as refreshing as a cool day in the hot summertime. Putting confidence in an unreliable man is like chewing with a sore tooth or trying to run on a broken foot. And so the attributes we want to talk about here are a godly employee is faithful and trustworthy. Faithful and trustworthy. Nothing is more frustrating than an employee who's never on time, who can't be counted on, who doesn't get the job done, who doesn't keep their word, who doesn't work with integrity, who's not worthy of your trust. And it's like chewing on a bad tooth. And I've had those before and it's really painful. Or walking on a bad foot. I actually have one. I have extreme pain in my, especially my left foot. And even if I have these inserts, there's days I just, I can't, I can barely walk. And, it, and you step on it, it's like, oh my gosh. And then last summer when I was in Berlin, Germany, I, I went there to help our church there. And I had to, you have to walk everywhere. And I'm just limping down the street like, Lord, help me. Boy, this foot is starting to let me down. God wants us to be people that are faithful, that are faithful. We can be counted on. We're reliable. We do what we say we're going to do. We do our job. We do it. You can count on it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll be faithful. I want my children to see this. I want my daughter to know this. Almost every morning now, there's a list on the microwave. Dad, I need this cream. I need this cream. And I have five different places I go and they cannot keep up because it's, we're in such a difficult phase right now. But I'll tell you what. Old Dad, by the grace of God, faithful. I have a job to perform and I'm eager to serve and I want to do it. I want to do it well. We need to be people. That are, and of course, as you know, all these principles can be applied right into our ministry or our service to the church or in the church, the life of the church. But of course, we're focusing on our vocation, our job. I used to tell my children growing up as we go through this, I said, never, I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. One of the advantages you have, no matter how much other people know out there, you will always have a gigantic edge. You know why? Because you have character. And they're not perfect. And there's things God's still refining in each of their lives. But I promise you, 
If you apply these principles to your life, you are going to stand head and shoulders above the crowd. The standard is so low today in America, you are going to stand head and shoulders above the crowd. All of you, no matter who you are. Fourth attribute is you are cooperative, supportive. You follow orders and directions and you are submissive. You don't smart off and you aren't insubordinate. Man, try to find that today in the workforce. I mean, you may be submissive to their face and then you're behind them causing insurrection. Blah, 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 and blah, 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 blah. That's not, that doesn't reflect well on the Lord. That doesn't reflect well on Christ. And you might call this a critical spirit. We see it in the church all the time, in churches in America. Critical, critical, critical. Man, that does not honor the Lord. Your life's not bringing, making Christ attractive. But the opposite, when we're cooperative and we're a team player and we're supportive and we follow orders that are given to us, your boss is your boss. Whether you're slave or free, that your boss, do you follow orders? Do you do what you're asked to do? And then after you do it, are you ready to do some more? And do you do it as quickly and efficiently as you can? That's another goal that I have. Whenever I set about a task, get it done as quickly and efficiently as I can so that I might move on to the next and the next and the next so that every day I might get the most possible done. We've got to think that way. Am I submissive? Is there that quality? I'm submissive. God has to work on that in our life, but it's a biblical quality. Christ had an employer. His employer was God the Father. And he said, I do nothing to please myself, but only what my Father asks me to do, I do. He was submissive. He was submissive. He entrusted himself to God. And he did what God asked him to do. God wants to develop this quality in our lives in a greater and greater way. And what a beautiful thing it is when we're a person who is malleable and moldable and, and easy to work with. And, and we make our employer's life a, a joy. I, I, let me show you a verse. It just came to me here while I'm sharing this with you in Hebrews 13. But, but let me just show you something. I can tell you this as a father, as a pastor, but also... I know this is true of employers. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your soul and they know they're accountable to God. Give them a reason to do this joyfully and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. Another version says, give them cause for joy. Ask yourself, do I bring joy to my employer or sorrow? Am I what some people would like to call a pain in the neck? Now, all of us have idiosyncrasies, and I'm sure there's times I've been a pain in the neck to people. I don't doubt that. But it's not my goal. And I want to grow, and I want to learn. But, but by and large, I hope and trust that I'm a joy. Or I bring joy to the lives of others, to those that I serve, or, 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 or that individual that is my boss. 
Fifth attribute, and, and you will simply never, ever succeed without it, is diligence. They see something through to the end, and they finish the job, and they do it well. The Bible says the hand of the diligent will rule. The hand of the diligent makes rich. The precious possession of a man is diligence. You go after it, and you go after it, and you go after it, and you keep after it till it's done, and you do it well, and you see it through. You don't leave things just kind of, oh, kind of half done. Oh, that's kind of half done. You really do it well. And I know, I know you're, you're going to think, geez, Mark, you're, just, you're a nutcase. I'm a fool for Christ. I know that. And I know there's many times that I may seem foolish to people. But today, again, because of my daughter's illness, I took 12 bags of trash out to the garbage in one day. Twelve. It's all these medical bags, all this stuff. All these boxes with all the tubes of medicine, and they get thrown away. So whenever I do this, this is no lie. I'm thinking, okay, you know what? Now listen. I'm serving Christ. I'm not serving Jessica Kathy. I'm serving Christ. And it brings God glory that I put this stuff in the trash can to the best of my ability and that I poke a hole in the bag so that air leaves and I jump up and down the trash can to push it down as far as I can so I can get as many in there so when the garbage man comes, I save money and don't have to put them beside the garbage can because they'll charge me more. Because I'm being faithful, because I take this really seriously. And then I'm cutting up the little boxes in the, you know, recycle bin and pushing it down as low as I can so I get as much space in there as I can. It gives me joy to do it the best I can. And then I'm in the closet. Okay, now how can I straighten this for the girls to make their job as easy to get all, get to all of this medical stuff? And how can I find the best deal? And then I'm out in my, in my office and I'm recording. I've got these, all these sheets. I've got to record all this stuff. Put beside it what it was. Give it to this person. Give it to this person. Keep it for taxes. How can I do it the very best? Then I'm working on a message. Then I'm doing the phone. Then I'm talking to someone here. Then someone across the country. Lord, help me just to give my very best because I'm doing this for you. For you. And then I'm down doing a load of laundry. And then I'm getting this load of laundry. And oh, I want to get her skirts washed for before she gets up. So I'm up really early because she doesn't have many of these soft cotton ones. And her skin's so bad and so raw that she needs this one. I want to get it clean. I'm doing it for the Lord. I'm a slave. My mentality, my mentality is I am a slave. And God, I want to bring you glory. I want to do this with the right heart. I want to do this with the right attitude. And you know what? I could, I'll be doing the laundry and I'll be doing this and I'm just reviewing my message. I'm going over my message. I'm thinking of this principle and that principle. And then, oh Lord, I just right now, I pray for so-and-so. I know so-and-so has not been feeling well and I may be folding that towel or folding this and I'm praying. I'm a slave. I'm a slave. I want to be a better slave. I want to excel more. I'm not like Christ yet in every way and I want to keep going. I want to be diligent. I want to be diligent. See, you can either be on top of the pile or under the pile. doesn't matter how big your pile is. What matters is, if you're diligent, you'll always be on top of the pile. But if you procrastinate and you procrastinate, you can have hardly anything to do, but it'll seem like a mountain because you procrastinate. And a procrastinator's a terrible employee. And does not honor God and does not bring God glory. It doesn't make Christ attractive and you'll never earn a good living. Diligence. Number six, we're almost done. 
godly employee is skillful at what they do and they become good at their task or their job. Skillful. Let's just talk about skill. The Bible says, do you see a man or woman who's skilled in their work? They will not stand before obscure men. They will stand before kings. Are you really skillful at what you do? And are you willing to get skillful at what you do? And are you always seeking to improve, to learn, or to grow, or come to a measure of, uh, you know, sometimes you hit a point, I'm doing my job the best that I can do it. But are you skilled at what you do? I I remember uh, I was telling Micah, he's my youngest son, he just finished college a couple weeks ago but when he first started because he went right from home education right to college i said mike i want to tell you uh, um, since i'm helping you get through college i'm providing i would just pretend i'm your employer since you, you take orders from me i want you to pretend that your schooling is your job so that you develop a good habit. And you go to that teacher in every class and you strive. You don't, I'm not saying you have to get perfection. You strive to get A's in every class. What I'm saying is you give your very best. Pretend you're getting paid for this. This is a job. This will look good to an employer and it shows them a pattern of habit in your life. I'm not saying you're a child genius. He's not. I'm saying you work hard at whatever it is you're going to do and develop your skill. And trust me, for the person who works hard to develop their skill, you will find work. And you'll be an honor to God. And you'll make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. Be skillful. Do what you do with a measure of skill. Learn and grow. Don't just be satisfied with... uh, it was okay. Now, sometimes, you know, for all of us, we get to a point at whatever our field is, that, you know, there's, that's about as far as I'll go. I'm not saying compare yourself with other people. That's not what I'm saying. Some people are extraordinarily talented. There are, there are a lot better preachers in the world than I am. I'm just trying to do the best that I can do. Develop my skill. And the seventh, a godly employee strives to maintain a cheerful and encouraging attitude and presence on their job. They aren't grumblers and complainers. No, all of us, all of us, myself included, we can grumble, we complain. But let's make it our goal to do that less and less. And be a person who's cheerful and encouraging and brings a cheerful attitude to work. A cheerful attitude to what we do. A cheerful presence and encouraging presence to what we do. You moms, you want to make an impression on your children. Let them see that you really enjoy being their mom. Let them see that you really enjoy the ups and the downs of being a mother and that it's all part of the process of raising these precious little children. What a profound... See, moms, you're trying to honor God and make Christ attractive to your children. You want your little children to grow up and embrace the Jesus that you say you love. Never forget, all of us, whoever we are, whatever our vocation, that our calling is to bring the gospel to the world, to be a light to the world. 
To go and make disciples, that includes your workplace. The only way that's ever going to happen is if you take being a godly employee really seriously because you are God's walking advertisement. You are God's neon light. No matter where you are. The day I was in my favorite store, you know that store, right? Aldi. Aldi is my favorite store. Aldi has helped my family immensely. In fact, it's the only store I've ever thought of writing to the owner and thanking him for making food so affordable for so many people across the world. So today I was in Aldi and I, I got there. Um, I didn't realize they closed at 8. I usually never go at night. I go usually in the morning. So the first thing I did when I saw the sign, I walked in. It was five minutes to 8. And I know the gal there behind the counter because she usually waits on me. And I said, say... I said, I'm really sorry. I'm just coming in your store. Listen, um, do you mind if I get my stuff? If not, and you don't want to stay late because it'll you know, probably take me 15 minutes. I mean, I fly through the store. Um, I'll go. I'll come back another time. She goes, oh, it was really thoughtful if you'd ask. She said, no, you go ahead. You know, there's a few more people here in the store. And so I said, well, thank you. So I'm getting my stuff and I got this list and I'm going down now, going down now, going down now. And then I get up and there's this lady from Russia. I can just tell by the way she's talking. She's from Russia or the Ukraine. And um, she was going through her stuff. She was ahead of me. And, and then she, had, she didn't have enough money. And all they got to pay with cash. So I said, hey. I said, listen. Don't worry about it. Just add it to my bill. She said, oh, I said, can of babies? Yeah, just, you know, I, I don't know. It was a couple bucks. I don't, I don't know. Just, just add it to mine. I'll pay for it. And I share that with you only. I don't share like, oh, God, Mark, you're so amazing. I mean, what's a couple bucks? The point is, is that I was consciously aware I want to be a light at Aldi. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I want to be a light. Now, I didn't walk up and say, I just want you to know that I did this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In whom there is no other way to heaven, and you must believe in him now, would you pray to receive Christ right now? If you do, I'll buy a couple extra bags to go with this. The Bible tells us to clothe ourselves with good deeds. See? You see, listen, now listen. No one is going to listen to you if they don't respect you. Are you worthy of respect at work? Are you? Do people look at the quality of your work, your work ethic, your spirit, your attitude, your willingness to go out of your way for other people? Are you Christ in the workplace? That's the whole point. That's the whole point of your life. Are you Christ there? They may hate your opinion about abortion. They may hate your opinion about immorality, as the Bible calls fornication, sex outside of marriage. They may hate your opinion on alcoholism. They may hate a lot of things, but they can't get past the fact I respect their kindness, their work ethic, their diligence, they're faithful, they do their job, they look out for others, they're thoughtful, they're considered, and I could go on and on. Man, I'm telling you, 
I may not agree with some of their stands, but I just can't get around their life. I can't get around their life. That's power. You see, and I mean that in a good way. That's powerful. That's impactful. And that's what God, every day, He wants you to understand. You know, I've been out, I don't like airports, I don't like to fly. It's, I won't, Mark, don't complain. Okay. So, but when I'm out at the airport, or you've probably experienced this, you've gone to a restaurant or something and you go, people, I don't know if you think this way, I confess this. Most people I come across, not everybody. I sit there and go, I could do this job out even being trained ten times better than you're currently doing it. I'd be faster. I'd already have these hamburgers on the table. Because you're just lollygagging around. Well, that's an old-fashioned word. You're sloughing. You know, you're just kind of... You know, what, the other day I went to get something special for my daughter. And uh, you know, this is always embarrassing when you got to do this. You ever go into a restaurant and uh, it was Kentucky Fried Chicken. So she has a special thing once in a while I get her from there that she likes. So I get it and I got Kathy something. And, and the guy was really nice. He came around. The, this one guy comes around. And he goes, hey, I'm sorry I had to wait extra for that wrap. He said, but the, the tortillas were really hard. So I wanted to make you a fresh one. I'm like, thank you. Thank you very much. I said, I want you to know that's really commendable. He was a young guy. I think he was Latino. And I just said, I really appreciate that. That's going to take you far in life. And I affirmed that, complimented that. Well, there was more than one guy waiting on me. It wasn't this guy's fault. So I get all the way home, and three of the things I paid for weren't even in the sack. Now, you know, it's always embarrassing. I mean, it's a little odd when someone gives you stuff and you're opening the bag going, sorry, just want to make sure you gave me everything I paid for. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, it's a little humiliating to the workers. But at the same time, I'm like, well, there's $5 worth of stuff they didn't put in the bag. And I was the only customer. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, oh, whatever. Whatever, Lord, whatever. I trust you. They needed the $5. They needed that biscuit more and those mashed potatoes. So, hey, we just forget it. But... But I thought, you know, Lord, instead of, instead of me getting upset about it, just help me to bring to what I do, where I'm at, the very best that I can. Just bring Christ right in. See, you know how people are always telling us, you Christians, you can't bring Jesus into the workplace. Oh, yes, we can. <laughs> well, first of all, he goes with you every day to work because he lives in you. They can't get rid of him. And second of all, try this. Now, listen really carefully. Don't want to offend you. Don't want to hurt your feelings. Shut your mouth more often and let your life start speaking. And then, when you do open your mouth, your words will go a lot farther. Let your life be that neon beacon in your work ethic and your enthusiasm and your servant attitude and your willingness to obey orders and to submit and to work even when conditions are difficult. And I'm telling you, you will win friends and influence people because you're being like Christ. Next week, we'll talk about what do you do with a moron for a boss. They do exist. Not that any of us have ever had one, but uh, we'll get into that a little bit. All right, so let's pray. Thanks a ton for being here tonight. I mean that on this chilly night. I realize it is bone chilling, and I find the older I get, sometimes it's Saturday or Sunday, I'm like, 
No, I don't want to go outside. Should I run in here? No, I don't want to go outside. So thank you for braving it. Father, we just thank you tonight for what you teach us in your word. Lord, these are biblical principles. This, this isn't some, you know, little wild seminar on how we can all get rich. This is the word of God. We want to be a light to this world. We want our lives to be just a, a powerful beacon. I've got to read you a verse. Sorry. I, I brought this verse special to read, and here I didn't read it. So let me read it, and then I'll finish praying. Philippians 2.14 do everything readily and cheerfully. No bickering, no second guessing allowed. Go out into the world uncorrupted, a breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and the life of God. Carry the light giving message into the night so I'll have good cause to be proud of you on the day that Christ returns for you will be living proof that I didn't go to all this work for nothing. Father, help us. Help me. Please, Lord, help me. Please help me. When I go to Jessica's doctor, or when I go to the pharmacist, or when I go to Walmart or Target or the other Walmart or Walgreens or wherever it is I go, to bring out into this squalid and broken world the light of Jesus Christ. I know there's so much more you want to do in my personal life. Help me when I'm home and, and no one's watching and I'm down in that laundry room or I'm out in the garage, you know, stomping on the trash. I admit sometimes I think to myself, what am I doing? Jumping up and down in a garbage can. Why, why do I have to do this, Lord? Because I'm a slave of all. And I just ask you, Lord, you'd help me. I, I want my light to shine more brightly. I want others to be attracted to Jesus Christ in me through the quality of my character, of my work habits. Lord, I pray that for each person here, that we bring Christ every day into the workplace through the quality and the attributes of godliness in our life. In Jesus' name, amen.